if your 18 year old walks out of your home and out of your life, have you really succeeded in your mission? Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast. This is a place for people who want to read more books and be in book club, but don't really have time to do either. I am your book host, I guess, or whatever whatever that person is that leads the discussion. I'm Andy. <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. And uh, Amy right now is in the book club this week. She's written a book called Not So Perfect Mom, Learning to Embrace What Matters Most. Really important, especially right now, Amy. So what inspired you to write this book? It was, I was really pushed to write the book in the sense that I actually, I went on a conference. Uh, it was called a D6 Connect Tour. And I was speaking about a different subject, but when we were talking to panels at different churches, a lot of things that I was saying, I realized resonated with um, a lot of the women there. And uh, they said, I kind of, my publisher came back to me and I think they said, we think you need to write a book about this idea of perfection and motherism and, mo- and motherhood. And, and that when I was given that assignment, what I was surprised at um, is how quickly that information flowed because it was so much of my own story and also a combination of all the conversations I've had with women around the country and frankly around the world. I realized that so many of us as moms always feel like we're not measuring up and we feel like I say we walk around under the bad mom cloud kind of shadow over ourselves. And the sad thing about that is that really is the enemy's trap at robbing joy out of our heart and therefore joy out of our homes. So for me, um, God had taken me on quite a journey in through having seven children and some of that ministry journey included um, my path of homeschooling where the Lord really had to remind me that building heart connected relationships with my kids was my top, top priority as a mom. Well, and you talk about this early in the book, defining close relationships. I think it's something that every parent wants to have with their kids, but you kind of, you flesh it out a little bit more. It's pretty interesting in kind of three different, um, I don't know what you want to call it, three different ways (laughs) that kind of define what a close relationship is. What are those? Yeah. Well, the first is heart connected, which means that there's an openness between us and our kids in the sense that our kids really feel like that we are safe people for them to come to. And they they feel like they have an authentic relationship with us, which meaning on the mom side of things is that I'm really not trying to hide or excuse my shortcomings, but I'm learning how to take responsibility for things that have hurt them, saying things like I'm, I'm sorry when I need to say that and modeling that true authenticity in the relationship. And at the same time, hopefully building that with the kids that they feel comfortable telling me the things that they're struggling with. And that starts at a very young age to try to keep building that. So the first is this heart connected openness. The second is um, lifelong, meaning that, you know, we don't think about it that often, but sometimes we have this idea that our job kind of ends at 18. Like we're, we're trying to get these goals for our kids, um, you know, when they accomplish high school and we're sending them on their way. But I kind of challenge moms in the book to really think about, you know, if your 18 year old walks out of your home and out of your life, have you really succeeded in your mission? I mean, you want to have a lifelong relationship with this child. You want to be a part of their children, hopefully. And so just keeping that long term vision, you know, at the forefront at the beginning of our motherhood journey. And then the last one is discipleship. And the point of that is that, you know, we are our kids 
first and foremost, foremost teachers. And a discipleship is really, you know, a discipleship a relationship means that you are imparting things, you're teaching and instructing and guiding your children. And whether they have other teachers or not, you will always have that kind of place in their life. And we want that discipleship relationship in some ways to continue for the whole life is their whole lives as well. In fact, I'm um, my oldest is now engaged and getting married. And it's been such a joy recently to be going to my mom and saying, wait, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this or how did you handle this? And again, she has a discipleship place in my life. So that is such a blessing. Hmm. Uh, so we're talking with Amy right now. Uh, her book is uh, not so perfect mom. I thought it was interesting, Amy, you talk about, uh, the mom hero that you say kind of stands out to you as a role model. And I think a lot of people don't even remember this mom in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Jacobed. Yeah. Jacobed is the mother of Moses, who I think is just an amazing story of first her willingness to hide that precious baby boy and to take that risk. I think that models for us as moms, what frankly most moms do naturally, which is, a, a self-sacrifice for their children. Most moms I know are very committed to trying to do their absolute best for their kids. They don't need to be told to do that. They love their kids. That's kind of, that's the story of most moms that I know. And Jacobed clearly does that. But more than that, she has this opportunity to disciple her son in such a way that she knows he is going to be living in the palace someday and will be learning all about foreign gods and a complete other um, faith system than what she is is trying to imprint on him. And it's what's so amazing about the Moses story is that when he it goes out and you know confronts the Egyptian who's beating the Hebrew, how he sides with his mother and how powerful that is that this impact that this woman had on his early years of life somehow had some heart connection in such a powerful way that he chooses that despite all the fame and uh, power that he sees in the, in the palace that he's grown up in. And I just think I, I use that story just to imprint on moms, like this attachment relationships that moms have their children does have this lifelong impact and touch on our kids' hearts. I'm actually trained as a therapist. And one thing that is always <laughs> that brought this home to me when I was uh, practicing therapy is that it didn't matter if I was talking with a high school student or someone in their 60s, we would be talking about their relationship with their mom by session two, at least if it wasn't session one. It just shows you that relationship with your mother is this all encompassing what I think of as an anchor in your life that really can ground your kids in building other healthy relationships. The emphasis is definitely on relationships in this book. And so I think it's great that you talk about this because I mean, there's such pressure as a parent and uh, as a parent of three kids, I, I understand this too, <laughs> to remember that we're raising people, not products. <laughs> yes. Isn't that funny to say yeah. out loud? Because you kind of feel like, yeah, that's obvious, but it's strange how when we get into this parenting journey, we get pressures from, so I, I, I call it like the every mom list, meaning that every mom's got this ongoing list where they're thinking, okay, how are my kids doing socially? How are my kids doing academically? How are my kids doing with their extracurricular activities? How are my kids doing with, with music? How are they doing with what, this friendship? How are they doing with reading the Bible? How are they doing with um, 
you know, memorizing scripture. It's this constant sense of I've got to check, 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 check. Wow. How are they doing and all these things? I forgot a main one. A lot of women are moms are really obsessed. How are they doing with diet? How, you know, how, how important and they're eating and all of that. And if you start to get, you know, pulled into that vortex, you don't realize it, but you're kind of developing the same, what I call product mentality that the world has towards your children. And what I mean by the world is the, the world, like the, when as, as like the standards and what the world wants out of your children, they are looking for a product. The world is very invested in raising children to come and be valuable citizens or members that will do what we think are the right things to do. And it's a product mentality. Like I say, you know, the world doesn't love your kids. You love your kids. So we want to keep the goal is realizing that we're trying to raise people. We're raising people that we, we hope desire to have a relationship with God and a relationship with us. And when you have that people mindset and step away from that product mentality, you can kind of breathe a deep sigh of relief that um, God uses people <laughs> to work his wonders in this world. And he uses them as their hands and feet. And it's not like God is not trying to create products out of all of us. He wants a relationship with us. And I think, you know, that speaks into us too, right? Yeah, to choose, and you talk about this, uh, this is part of mom mission number six, choosing humility over perfectionism. And so mm-hmm. I, somebody might be saying, well, how, how do I do that, Amy? Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> well, you know, it, it. I always tell this story that um, I had a span of like about, I think it was a span of a month. I had three different women come to my house and say, oh, I just love coming over here because you're just so real. (laughs) My translation was, wow, your house is such a mess, but you seem to be fine with me being here. (laughs) I mean, here's my point. Like, that wasn't my goal. I wasn't like, wow, I really just want to be real. You know what I mean? But it was just an awareness of humility of, okay, I can't try to create this image that I have this all together. I have this perfect kids, but really just being able to acknowledge it, excuse me, acknowledge my weaknesses and um, realize that God clearly says that through my weakness, he is made strong, you know, and home management is just not one of my big strengths, but that doesn't mean that God is not using all my other strengths. So um, there's such a tendency, I think with moms there, you can fall into that, idea of you know really kind of boasting about what your kids are doing and focusing on that and there's a verse in proverbs that says let your own mouth let others praise you not your own lips and i always felt that it was so important that i applied that to my children as well in the sense that my children are actually an extension of me in many ways so if i'm a mom that's always kind of touting all of their accomplishments or making, you know, the Christmas letters full of one big uh, event, you know, after another, that, that, that does not teach to me that natural humility that we need both in ourselves and our kids, because we want them to have a humble spirit. The Lord says um, to, um, I'm going to, what does the Lord require of you to um, seek mercy? I I can't even think of that verse right now off the top of my head. Sorry. Maybe you can fill it in. (laughs) So, but um, to walk humbly with your God. And that's my point that I want to walk humbly with my God myself and then train my children to walk in the same way. Hmm. Talking with Amy right now, uh, not so perfect mom. 
I thought uh, this was really good too. Uh, at the end, you have a great, uh, ch- <laughs> as much as you were just talking about no checklist, you, you have some great building blocks in chapter 10, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, important things to do. And I, I thought this was one of the r- really good ones because this is another challenge nowadays, especially with social media. There isn't, there really aren't boundaries. And you talk about the importance of having secure and flexible boundaries. What does that look like? Mm, that is a, what, what I mean by that is that we can, we can really kind of get into one, you know, uh, well, let me give you a great illustration of that is that I love, there's a study where it says that children on playgrounds, um, it's a, it's a sociology study that when children's on a playground with a fence around it, they will use that whole space and play freely in that space. But when children are on a playground without a fence, they clump together around the playground. And that was always a great illustration for me in raising my kids in the sense that I wanted to be able to move those boundaries appropriately for them. As a child grows up, we want to be keeping to increase these boundaries, but they needed to be flexible in the sense that that what boundaries might work well for one child may not work well for the other. And I think that sometimes you see problems with parenting is that either parentings are on parents are on one end of the extreme where there's literally no boundaries and these children are, are clumped right in the middle. They don't have that safe space to be in because there's no boundaries. But then on the other end, we have parenting that is just going to be these walls are these boundaries are concrete and your kids banging up against them constantly and you're not willing to realize that, wait a minute, that boundary is maybe not in the right place. So it's just important, I think, as moms that we're not looking to make those boundaries based on just a book that we might read or um, what the developmental standards say. But we are really praying about what those boundaries look like for each of our children. And yes, they need to be secure but they also need to be flexible. They, we need to be collaborating um, because that helps build that collaborative and heart connected relationship. All right. So at the end of uh, that, that chapter with all those, the, the, all the awesome things to do, the checklist that you kind of give us to do, the building blocks, uh, you say that there's one more important building block for good relationships. And so often, I mean, I, I, I always forget to go here, but, but prayer, talk a little bit about that. Yes, I can't highlight that one enough because well just tell me a personal example um i think mother-daughter relationships are are in the high school years are some of the hardest relationships that's usually a big um bump in the road in in your parenting and and i am i'm so amazed even at myself that how often my daughter and i in one of these tense sort of conversations over something like boundaries, for example, and it's turning into uh, what I call, you know, great relational cost because we're both hurting each other the way that we handle it. And yet I often forget to bring prayer into that situation. And we have been so amazed. One time my daughter and Eleni, we were in one of these battles and finally I said, we need to pray and we prayed together and she prayed and I prayed. And then we both looked at each other and we said, why didn't we do that earlier? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just we forget that we have the wonderful counselor inside of us. The Holy Spirit is inside outside of us. And he desires to counsel us in these situations. He desires to soften hearts and bring parents and children closer together. So we need to get away from following our own reasoning so often and turn back to 
asking the Lord to work in these situations and believing with faith that he will. So, yes, prayer needs to be a cornerstone um, in our parenting relationships. And I just want to encourage every mom out there, don't be discouraged if you feel like you are not strong in this area. I um, have been a Christian my whole life and I, you know, I'm in a family ministry and it's still my number one area where I ask the Lord to help me grow to be the woman of prayer and the mom of prayer that I, that I know he desires me to be. All right. One last question for you, Amy. Um, I, I loved it at the end because you said at the very end of your book, you're talking about you're being a people person, you're sensitive. I'm like, Hey, that's me too. I think a lot of people are there and, and, and you, um, you share a phrase that you heard from a friend that I had never heard before. I thought it was so powerful. You talk about if you're a people pleaser, and I think everybody kind of falls into this sometimes. Your friend told you one time, you cannot demand consideration. What does yes. that mean? Yes, yes. That is very powerful. You cannot demand consideration just means that I can't be demanding and upset when people don't treat me the way that I expect to be treated. And it was so eye-opening to me because a lot of the hurts and things that I felt came from this sense of being a people pleaser. And when I felt like people weren't um, approving of me, I would feel hurt. And and yet that is so fun, foundational that we don't we cannot demand consideration and so important for our kids to learn. You know, when you're not, I think so often now we've taken this strange turn in parenting when um let's say your kid's not invited to the birthday party, for example, that the parent's reaction is like, you know, call the parent and talk about why they didn't include them and, you know, yada, yada, yada. When I think in many ways we have to step back and help our child. Now I use situations like that to teach my kids. We can't demand consideration. It's okay. If this person doesn't want to be friends with you, God does have friends for you and you need to work on being the type of friend that God wants you to be. Um, but we can't demand and be upset when people don't treat us the way we want to be treated. Um, and so that is such an important lesson for kids to learn these days, because I see even in the adult world, a lot of people struggling with that. They Because what ends up, if you don't learn that, there can be a constant sense of self-righteousness and I should be treated this way. And, you know, and that leads to a pride. It really leads you down the wrong road. God wants us to trust him that he will provide even the relationships that we need. And we don't have to keep striving and demanding that people treat us the way we want them to. You may have had some more time to think about this right now. Uh, how do you find true happiness? Well, Dr. Derwin L. Gray, who's a pastor of a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in North Carolina, Transformation Church. He's written a book about that called The Good Life. So he's going to share more about his book with you next week and also talk about um, multi-ethnic relations right now as an African-American pastor. And he's got some uh, good insights. That's next week here on the 30 Second Book Club podcast.